I'm Terrence C. Gannon, and this is the Not There Yet podcast, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. The Tyranny of a Happy Accident Although I didn't know it until now, how one great month in my early 20s pretty much ruined my career. For one brief, shining moment when I was in my early 20s, the sun and the stars and all the planets aligned, and I was able to build $5,000 in one month. In 2017, that's the equivalent of over $15,000, or if you prefer, $180,000 a year. Through what turned out to be a happy accident, I believe I had officially hit the big time. It turned out to be a disaster. The background is only slightly relevant to the bigger arc of this story. I had been teaching Apple Basic at a local Computerland store based on nothing more than I had managed to figure out the language on my own and had some modest ability to teach rudimentary lessons. An instructor from a local technical school happened to sit in on one of those classes and had the crazy idea, back then, of putting on similar courses at the institution with which he was associated. That ended up happening, and before I knew it, I was standing in front of a post-secondary classroom looking for all the world like a fully tenured professor. At least, I thought so, even if nobody else did. The quirky way I was paid for those courses meant that in exactly one particular month, $5,000 showed up in my bank account. I quickly did the math. 5000 times 12 months, $60,000 a year. At that time, and at that age, it was all the money in the world. From that one month forward, it would be the standard by which every other month and every other career opportunity would be judged. The fact is, well over 30 years later, I have yet to make the equivalent of that salary at any point in my career. In other words, for this entire time, I was always looking to be paid a little, and in some cases, a lot more than I was worth. As the decades rolled on, I don't think it ever occurred to me that my yardstick was hopelessly out of whack. Candidly, I simply could not countenance that thought. If I did, the professional world around me would collapse in an instant. To be fair, those feelings would recede into the background, and things would appear normal for years at a time. Subconsciously, though, they were always there, grinding away at the muscle, bone, and connective tissue. You're worth more than this, I would think, as one great job after another eventually slipped through my fingers. The real damage from that one deliriously happy alcohol and sushi-soaked July in Vancouver continues to careen into my career to this day. The most lasting echo of that time was my derisive dismissal of the value of a formal education. For a good 10 or 15 years, I was able to outrun, salary-wise, my foolish high school classmates because they had spent two, four, seven, or 12 years in school after graduating. They're paying it out while I'm raking it in, I used to think. Hell, I had taught university. Why on earth would I ever bother attending one? Boy, I really was a jerk. And a stupid one at that. To all those who were subjected to that, I'm so, so sorry. My penance came the first time I wanted a job a little more than the job wanted me, and horrors, I had to submit a resume. Here's how I've come to realize how that works. 
any HR department receiving a resume for a job they have posted immediately sorts them into two piles. One pile for everybody who has met the mandatory requirements, like a university degree, and therefore worthy of further consideration. The second pile is for those who can't read. If they had been able to read, they would have understood what the word mandatory meant and not bothered to submit a resume at all. I suspect the second pile is actually a virtual one, resumes therein being summarily shredded on receipt without a further glance. The second and in some ways more damaging reverberation of that time may be more surprising. It was that I never really, in a consciously and cognitive way, chose a career. I just let it choose me. For some people, that's great. When we meet somebody who is entirely in love with their profession, we often refer to it as a calling, kind of the way my parents obliquely referred to being called to the priesthood. I can finally be honest with you, Ma and Pa. That was never, ever even the remotest possibility. But I've met and talked with an astronaut, a cardiologist, a stem cell researcher, and many others who absolutely fit that description. They were chosen by their profession at a very young age and then by sheer force of will harnessed it to breathtaking energy, tenacity, patience, and courage. Here's the impressive result. They absolutely cannot wait to get to work each day. The common thread is they all knew what they wanted to do very early in life and never ever took their eye off the ball, not even for one second, against seemingly impossible odds. For me, it was much less noble. Software was a way of making a lot of money quickly. What a terrible way of looking at your career. The irony is that if it had turned out to be true, it wasn't, I would never have had the chance to get to this point. As my traditional career augured in like a plane crash from the movie Dawn Patrol, I was finally forced, but in a good way, honestly, to think about what I really wanted to do. Better yet, what was it that I was born to do? The answer... Frankly, I'm still not sure. However, the dramatic shift that has shaken me to my core is that I finally, finally realize it's a question I have to ask and answer. Here's what I do know for sure. When I finally make that choice and hopefully get it right after all these years, it will be day zero, the sun will be shining, and it will be a great time to be alive and get on with the rest of my life. Terence Gannon, and I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening. I want to take a brief moment to announce that the Not There Yet podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. This is a great initiative dedicated to the support and development of high-quality, independent podcasts produced in our beautiful home of Alberta, Canada. It's well worth your time checking out the members' podcasts, which can all be found in one place at albertapodcastnetwork.com. That's just the way it sounds, no spaces. In a moment, I will also talk about the vital role ATB plays in powering the Alberta Podcast Network. Not There Yet is a regular series of short essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. For better or worse, they are all written and read by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc., of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show on iTunes. 
it really helps to build the audience, which means I get to keep doing this. As mentioned a moment ago, we're proud to be a member of the Alberta Podcast Network. APN is powered by ATB, and let me take a brief moment to explain. ATB is a financial institution, sort of like a bank, but better in many ways, here in beautiful Alberta, Canada, where the Not There Yet podcast is based. ATB has stepped in to directly support the Alberta Podcast Network, which in turn directly supports this show. This means I can keep bringing you the Not There Yet essays well into the future. To find out why ATB is like a bank, but better, please check them out at atb.com slash listens. They really deserve a moment of your time, and I truly thank them for their support. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Subscribe to the Not There Yet podcast on your favorite podcast platform to know exactly when. Until then, remember it's the journey, not the destination. It really doesn't matter if you're not there yet.